Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Not a matter of if, folks. Not a matter of if. It is a matter of who. Today's question is, who will the Chicago Bears be facing in the 2013 Super Bowl? Bears win! Bears win! NFL Roundem Up, wrap up on today's show as well. We hope everybody out there had an outstanding weekend. Two guys at a mic, TalkZone.com coming at you. Beautiful Monday here in the fine city of Chicago. If you're tuning in an hour late, you forgot to turn your clock back. Sorry about that. What are the odds, David Olson, that the big dog will be calling in at about 11.05 today because he forgot to turn his clock back? I put it down at about 3 to 1. A little bit of music from producer extraordinaire David Olson. And we will kick off a Monday, November 5th edition of the Two Guys in a Mic Show. Thank you very much, David Olson. On the other side of the glass, football recap from a big Saturday at college football. Some pretty good games overall, besides the Bears game. Quite frankly, not the best, most exciting weekend of NFL football, but we got some good games coming up. Uh, we'll jump off the sports pages to talk about some things. Oh, there's something coming up Tuesday. I believe it's called an election. We'll uh, see if we can discuss that a little bit, too. Sports guy talk politics, go into a little bit of auto racing. Jimmy Johnson looks like he's going to win yet again. And, of course, the Breeders' Cup was held last weekend, I know, uh, on Saturday, I should say. And I know Joel is excited about that. 888-463-6748. The phone number is the dog and the coach on this semi-dysfunctional sports show known as the Two Guys at a Mic Show. He's not dysfunctional. He is fully, fully functional in more ways than one. And I'm talking about my good part of the big dog, Joel Radwanski. Dog, how are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty well, uh, considering how the Bears played yesterday. And, uh, you know, it's going to be beautiful all week. I'm going to take advantage of it, get out, do a bunch of good stuff. So, uh, mm-hmm. that's a good touch. Beautiful. So on a scale of 1 to 10, your functionality at this point uh, sounds like it's about 8.5? Well, uh, my functionality, I don't know how good it is, because I have a calf issue. I, I oh I pulled my calf the other day, and I basically have not done anything for like three days except ice it and ice it and ice it. And I don't have really the lilac here to, to you know, to baby me and uh, make things better. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Uh, so uh, my functionality is down low, but I, I've actually been smart enough not to actually do anything and chill out and, and heal it up. So I'm all right. Yep. The calf rub is not bad if you got the girlfriend around, by the way, because the calf rub... Leads to the knee rub, and from there you just move onward and upward, big dog. So where is Lily the lilac, by the way? But not the left knee, not the right knee, the weenie. <laughs> He'll be here all week, folks. Um, yeah, it's outstanding. Now let me ask you, we'll throw it out to the listeners. Did the big dog injure his calf, A, on the Matt Forte touchdown run where he had five offensive linemen pushing him, in a rugby-type scrum, not Australian football, by the way, rugby, B, on the Brian Erlocker interception, where he went from slow to slowest but still lumbered his way into the end zone, C, on the second of Charles Tillman's punch-outs, or D, on the unbelievable pass from Cutler 
to Brandon Marshall. I'm going to guess it was on A, that you pulled your calf muscle on your favorite play of the game, the football scrum that brought Forte in the end zone. Uh, no, no, no. I've said it before on these airways, and I, I, normally when there's people at my house, I predict stuff. And I did predict Erlacher return for a touchdown, like in the middle of the first quarter, <laughs> the way it was going. I'm like, Erlacher's going to get one. I think this team needs to average a return a game. Okay, I'm not kidding. I said that I called it, but without a doubt, the best play of the game was uh, the block punt. Yeah. Still 0 0 at Northwestern. Northwestern. I, I don't know what it is, coach. It is the most, to me, if somebody asked me, how do you want your favorite team to score a touchdown? A big bomb that goes 80 yards, a fabulous return by Hester? No. It was, uh, I had two buddies here just chilling out watching the game, and I erupted, and what I screamed at the top of my lungs was, we don't even let them kick it. <laughs> I don't know what it is, Coach. If the name of the game is football, and when you could block somebody's kick and not even let them put the foot on the ball, I mean, that's, to, to me that is the epitome of dominating another team. And from that moment on, it was a deluge right after the football Let's just real quick on the kick, though. Could we uh, throw a little love out to the purple of Northwestern University? Cheryl McManus, uh, number 27 from Northwestern University, on the block. Corey Wooten, big number 98, touchdown recovery. Corey Wooten also from Northwestern. Thank you. I did. You know what, Coach? I knew both of those guys went to Northwestern, and normally I'm the first one who puts the connections together. Completely went right over my head in my delirium, and I'm not kidding you. I freaked. Uh, you're, I did. I did blow up. I was running around the house with a bad cap. It was not good. <laughs> uh, so we we threw four possibilities out there, but it was uh, it was none of the above. It was on the punt. That was a phenomenal play too, and that that was before the offense had even scored a touchdown, right? It was zero zero at this point, and you know what? It's just each other stealing each other out. The the Bears. Had just play, one play on defense, knocked it out. Then they go, what uh, was it? Well, first down and then three and out. Okay, mm-hmm. so and then the, the the Titans get stopped immediately, and you then the block, and then next thing you know, it's <laughs> it's thirty five to two. Yeah. I mean, coach, I mean that was uh, that was that was something else. That was a deluge. That was the. It got to twenty eight to two as fast as I've ever seen the Bears score twenty eight points. <laughs> yeah, that was uh with what, about two, three minutes left still in the first quarter? Yeah. We had twenty eight points. Uh huh. Yeah. Brian Erlocker yeah, with the interception and Forte with the run and then I forget what t- touchdown one was on the punt block. Two was on Erlocker interception, three was on the Forte run. Yes. What and was then, and number four? So many, it's it's, it's a uh, rare Brandon problem Marshall. for the Bears, but so many you can't remember. It was Brandon Marshall had a had a yeah had a touchdown catch. Yeah, and you know Brian Billick brought up the point. Uh, good announcer, I enjoy listening to him. You know the Bear offense still in question. You know they got nothing to hang their hat on. I'm like, you know they they got a couple things to hang their hat on. One, Brandon Marshall, and I had to be proven this year, Big Dog. But consider myself convinced he is a stud number one quality receiver, and even more than that, we can hang our hat. We don't put the hat on him very often, but we can hang our hat on Matt Forte. That dude, he is a solid, if not spectacular, running back, and he had another very, very good game. Yeah, Coach, I would, I would. he's much more than solid. He is one of the top ten running backs yep. in the NFL. Yep. I mean, and top five running backs. He's top five running back in the NFL. They're finally, Big Dog, listening to... 
what I said, and I think you you agreed with me a little bit. Instead of running Matt Forte between the tackles, I, I've noticed this like two years ago and, and, and early in the games this year, he is best when he runs right, not inside the tackle, but off the tackle's outside shoulder where he's got option to go right at that spot, cut back inside, or take it to the outside. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but all of his good runs are outside tackle, and then he creates from there. And all of his good runs is uh, he waits for a second, stays patient like Marshall Falk used to, and then yep. explodes and yep. just yeah. like some running backs like Bo Jackson, you, he would be sprinting at full speed when you handed it to him or pitched it to him, and he would just keep going and then make a cut and then run somebody over. Well, like Matt Forte is and Marshall, like you give it to him and he like jogs with the ball at first looks over the field, and then he explodes mm-hmm. into the hole. And I, I see, I, I, with his running style, I see that. And I, I have no problem with that. I'm not saying he's, he's he is a bad runner inside. When it, yeah. It's third and one. There's a reason why they signed Michael Bush was yeah. because when it's third and one, Matt Forte is But you remember un, under Ron yeah. Turner and Mike Martz, you know, they would consistently just, you know, straight handoff right up the middle. And they would run lead constantly behind yeah. the fullback. And by the way, they ran that yesterday because Evan Rodriguez was back, back. And by the way, bodies were hitting the floor again. Number, <laughs> yeah, Brian Billick, you know, somebody has to say something bad about everybody, you know, so the bearers of the offense and all that good. Well, the rookie Evan Rodriguez is back in the offense yesterday, coach. And Titans were flying everywhere. That kid is dynamic. They yeah. got, man, they got a hammer. I've, I've already back. nicknamed him IHOP. Because he hits people, then he has to hop over. No, Matt, and put them on the come on, I hop, king of the pancake. Oh, okay. Come on, come on, big dog. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Phone lines are open. Bear fans, if you want to check in anywhere out there in the uh, fine land of the National Football League, you want to talk about your team, positive, negative, or anywhere in the vast in between, we can do that. College football on the docket as well. Dog and the coach here at a beautiful. Monday, uh, coming out of the fine city of Chicago, Big Dog, I was worried that you uh, might be joining us a little bit late because I never know if you're going to get the message that the clock's turned back. So I'm proud that um, this year you apparently got the message. Yeah, you know, there was a whole schedule of football games yesterday. you think I would have figured it out by then. You know what really sucks is the week before... I actually, they, uh, they, uh, Verizon sent me Uh-oh. a, uh, they updated a week early. So it was like October 27th, and I'm like, it says it's 8.20 in the morning. This is BS. This is not it. You know, and I'm all messed up. I'm, I, I actually left something. I mean, Verizon can't do that anymore. They can't accidentally have your uh, mm. clocks go back an hour. Okay, and they're not fun. You're speaking from experience because you are an ex of Verizon Wireless. I won't say proud employee, but you are an ex Verizon wireless employee. Why did I bring a proud or anything like that? <laughs> I was trying so to that throw. Stuff. I mean, really, to be to be a salesperson for Verizon Wireless, mm-hmm. and it was it was for a, a year and a half. I couldn't quit that job fast enough. The people were coming. People are insane about their phones. Okay, and ninety nine percent of the time it was their fault, and they're screaming at you over stuff. That was. One of those jobs where you literally have to have the ability to, like a fountain, just turn off your ears and not hear what any person is saying to you for like a minute. When they get done talking, be able to turn it back on and just say the same exact thing you said to the, whether they were nice to you or mean to you or whatever. You know I what still I'm like saying? the, uh, 
A soundbite, I think, from our old radio show where some lady was yelling at you at the store for like 10 minutes, and then she realized it wasn't a Verizon phone that she had. It was another company. Yeah, exactly. That was, it was the next, she had like, it was, it was just unbelievable. And I didn't yeah. know what to do. It was like my fifth day working there, you know what I mean? And I, I, I don't even own a cell phone at this point in my life. People are coming in asking for advice. It was like, I would, I got good at it real quick, but I like, I didn't know what to say with this woman, like screaming. And the next thing I know, my buddy like comes over to me and taps me on the shoulder and like whispers in my ear and like, that's a Nextel phone, Joel. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> I looked at like, no. I, she, uh, that, that was bad. I had another guy yelling at me like that. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, uh, whatever. I, yeah. I told some guy to go to hell. It was just beautiful. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's an experience now. You can look back and you are a man of, uh, you could write a book one day, Big Doug, because you have tried out a variety of employment opportunities. I'm being kind there, but I'll use that term. Um, you've been there. You've well, done that. You've been all over the place in the employment world. Well, it's only because I'm trying to keep this dream alive. I mean, I could, I, that's the only reason I've never, yeah. like, the only way I can actually take a job is if I know that it is not a, like, a, like, this is my profession, trying to make this my profession. And the jobs have just been a way to try to keep this profession alive. Let's, yeah. let's face it. Yeah. So, yeah. Both of us might want to consider the job route at this point. <laughs> oh, goodness. 888-463-6748. Keep the dream alive, folks. Keep the dream alive. That's what we're trying to do here on the Two Guys and a Mike Show. But we might be waking up from the dream sooner than later, uh, unfortunately. Um, now, Big Dog, we are now 14 minutes and 25 seconds into the show. We have not even mentioned the talk of the town, the talk of the entire National Football League. I'm, I'm nicknaming him Joe Frazier. Down goes Frazier because he's got the best punch I've ever seen in the National Football League. It's time to throw a little love to the way of the defensive MVP of the NFL thus far this year, Charles Tillman the third. Yeah, calling him. The, you know, Brian Billick did call uh, Tillman that. Uh, he might have ripped the Bears' offense, which uh, they still need to get better. He did call Brian Billick the MVP of the uh, the defensive MVP of the NFL. I about a mid second quarter, about a quarter before Brian Billick made the comment, I told David, my young son who I watched the ball games with, age uh, seventeen, he's a pretty knowledgeable Bears fan. I made the comment, you know what, Charles Tillman right now MVP. Mm-hmm. So I was a quarter ahead of Billick, but continue on your Charles Tillman love. Yeah, no, I, not only the Charles Tillman love because it's it's definitely easy to. To, to give him the nod now, but Tim Jennings, if he, he could be an all-pro. They could have both all-pro cornerbacks come from the Bears' defense. And when you're talking about a league where it's all about quarterbacks who chuck it all over the field, pass rushers and guys that can cover are the most important players on defense all of a sudden. That changed. You know, it used to be like a sure tackle and linebacker. Well, now it's if you can hit the quarterback or if you can cover receivers or the most important players on your team. So that's it's dramatic that the Bears actually are talking about MVPs and all pros at the corner position. Tim Jennings is having such a good season. He got burned for a touchdown yesterday, and that was all pro coverage. I mean, he was step for step with the dude who did a little hitch out and go, which a lot of defensive backs are going to burn with. Jennings was right there. You couldn't cover any better the pass. From 40-something Matthew Hasselback to the receiver, I forget who caught The catch was brilliant, but... You know you're having a great season, Big Dog, when when one of your few mistakes was still as good a coverage as you could possibly have. It's uh, 
it, it's been just a phenomenal season. Like we're saying, it's a it's a pitch and catch league. It's a it's a quarterback driven league. So you're going to give up. You're going to have perfect coverage and give up pass plays every once in a while because just the way these guys are so big, so fast, yep. and quarterbacks and throw the ball in areas where you can't be an amoeba and completely surround a receiver because of the rules and because it's uh, physically impossible. It, and number two, these guys are good and they can put it in areas where you're not, even though you have mm-hmm. lockdown coverage. And uh, coach, at one point in this game, the Bears had when uh, Erlacher returned the, the the thing for what we call it, the interception for a touchdown. That made their eighth return for a touchdown this year, a non-offensive touchdown. Okay. And at that point in the season, the Bears had only allowed seven offensive touchdowns. So the defense, in terms of interceptions, fumbles, and block punts, had more touchdowns scored than given up. Now they gave up two touchdowns late, and now it's 9-8. But at one point, they were hit. At the, in the midway point of the season, how is that even possible? That's how good they've been, and it's immediately from... Tillman and Jennings, the guys on the outside is the reason why this is happening because everything else kind of plays off of them doing their jobs as corners in the cover, too. How about there was a point in the game where we almost, and I don't know if this has ever happened before, we almost had more points than yards gained late in the first quarter. Well, it's definitely it's definitely happened before because you can get a... 28 points and like 45 yards gained. It was close. Wow, yeah, but normally not that when you're talking about that high. You know, yeah. that's normally it's like, oh, seven nothing, you know. Yeah. No yards and a inner like a return for a touchdown. Yeah, but wow, that's amazing, coach. That now, is getting back to the Peace Day resistance, Charles Tillman, who went from good to spectacular yesterday. He will be the talk of the NFL. And I do believe the punch technique, teams are gonna start cutting that out and editing and not just pro teams. But college and high school, that is going to be a technique that will be copied. But here's the key. Here's the key. If he was only forcing fumbles, he'd be a heck of a player. But the beauty of Charles Tillman in previous years and even in, and more so in this year is it's not just the punch out fumbles, big dog. He is tackling, had eight or nine tackles yesterday. His coverage has been outstanding. So he's not just a one trick pony. He's been a complete player and the punch out fumbles are just adding a little, um, Whipped cream to an already delicious cake. Or yeah, that, that, you're absolutely right, and you know he's been doing the the punch out for years. I mean, years, coach. Yeah, but he's he's I, even I, better I, now. Oh, but it's just it's beyond better now. It's like the epitome of experience and a, a little bit of luck because it just seems like he gets it out every time. How does he get it out every time? Well, it's it's a lot harder than it looks. You have to. It, to, to, first of all, you got to still hang on to make the tackle, and you got to you know the hand eye coordination, the aim to actually punch it and hit the ball, I'm sure it's a lot tougher than it looks sitting at home. I'm, I completely 100% agree with you. I, the idea that he can get it out so frequently, you know what, people are doing it more often now. And I, I, wanted, I wanted to bring that up, Coach. It's going to be a, a good transition. I, I'm just dumbfounded that he gets it out so often. Now, he started doing that years ago. But all of a sudden now he's refined it. And it does not surprise me after you told me the story of, Hey, I see this guy, he's pretty wiry, he's in decent shape, and he's running up and down the streets dragging a sled, and I go up to this man, hey, who are you, why are you working so hard? Oh, I'm a local football player. Oh, where, at one of the universities? No, for a team called the Chicago Bears, I'm Charles Tillman. (laughs) And he he just goes about his business. When you told me that story, Coach, 
it made me like I always loved Peanut, and I always like defended him because he always made big plays, even though he gave up way too many completions. Well, no wonder he can just pop the ball. I bet you he sits around, runs, and punches stuff at full speed. Like seriously, runs at stuff and punches stuff out. He, the guy, I mean, like he works on all this. It wouldn't. It's not just a coincidence. Brian Billick kept saying that, and he was exactly mm-hmm. right. It's not a coincidence that Charles Tillman knocks the balls out of people's hands constantly as a defender. You know, you brought up the uh, uh, completions thing, and that brings up a good point. I was commenting during the game. I think I did it the last couple of weeks, and I remember, and we talked about it on our radio show, Big Dog. Uh, there was a three, four, five-year period where Lovey Smith and the defense would get criticized because of the soft coverage, the cover two, whatever. And I don't know if it was the scheme or the skill of our defensive back, but all I know is for a solid three- to five-year period, with receivers on the other team were consistently open. And I remember making a comment just at home, like, do we ever, like, can we ever get a defensive back just to come in? And I, Not an interception, but just like a breakup? You know, a swat away? We, we'd get like two of those a year, and all of a sudden this year, my wishes have been answered. All of a sudden, we have tight coverage and not just interceptions, but actual knockaways and blocks. It's it's a pleasure. I don't, is it scheme or is it the skill level of the cornerbacks? No, it's not just the scheme. And I'm going to – Peanut has improved, okay? And I always thought he was underrated, but he's definitely improved. I'm going to tell you this. I, I couldn't agree more that about the last two or three years, it's fine. we finally started getting us as, as a Bear team and that – from the 2010 till now, we've had it. And this year is like the epitome of it. It's been great. But 2009 and before that, even in the Super Bowl year, was way too soft. And yep. I think it was if you just look at when the defensive line was healthy or not. Like when Tommy Harris went down and all of a sudden these DBs were playing soft and you had no pressure whatsoever on the quarterback. Oh, my goodness, you're exactly right, Coach. Then our DBs were totally exposed. Now you have... Julius Peppers, who didn't make a have a statistic yesterday, not one. You know, he had some pass hurries. He had a couple hurries, but he had no uh, like knockdowns or sacks or even tackles. But Henry Melton and Corey Wooten and this kid, this Charles Collins, who's this or Nick Collins, coach? This guy has been played all season. He comes out yesterday and he's putting his helmet in uh, Matt Hasselbeck's chest over and over again. When you get defensive line play like that, it does make. Jennings and Conte, who played, he has gotten better every single game this season. Mm-hmm. His best game as a pro was yesterday, and hopefully he'll get even better next week against the Texans. But Juli- just- Julius Peppers has become almost like a, he's still the best defensive lineman, but he's he's almost like a luxury, not a necessity anymore. Well, he does make mis- uh, mismatches, and don't forget, the Carolina Panthers last week, they said, oh, you know what, well, Maybe we're not going to treat Peppers like everybody else does. And then Julius Peppers had two sacks in the second half against Cam Newton that were huge when he got singled up with Jordan Cross. So it's like as soon as you go, oh, okay, we got, we're not going to pay attention to, to Julius Peppers. He immediately makes a play. It's like when Barry Bonds would only get a pitch like once a game and then he hit it out of the ballpark. It's kind of mm-hmm. like that with Julius Peppers. Like the one time they let you go on third and long with not double teaming up, he hits the quarterback. So, I mean, like, but yesterday was like, you're exactly right. Like, we've been without Brian Erlacher all season and everybody else making plays. And then yesterday, Brian Erlacher making tackles, like, behind the line of scrimmage, all over the place, and obviously the interception for a touchdown. So, uh, something tells me, Coach, that uh, 
Julius Pepper is going to have a huge game against the San Francisco 49ers. Got the Texans and the 49ers coming up. Texans this weekend, 51 to 20. Bears victory over Tennessee. You want to comment on that game? Any of the other NFL or collegiate games over the weekend? Dog and the coach right here for you. 888-463-6748. The phone number, dial it up. We'll get you right on. Big dog there. Very, very few negatives to talk about with the Bears. Maybe the offensive line, maybe Brian Urlacher's mustache, not necessarily in that order, but uh, not many negatives to, to deal with. No, not, not many at all. Uh, there's The only thing that you have about uh, that, we, that you would say is negative is this. Like, this is what the Bears fans are saying. The offense hasn't proven anything, and yes, we're 7-1, and one, but the schedule has just flipped up. All of our easy games are done, and all of our hard games, except for one, because that Green Bay is definitely one of the hard games. We already played that. Are on the schedule, and they're up. And the, we still have a game at Detroit, and Detroit's starting to play some good football. Uh, the Vikings, they have still have a chance. They're still in it. They're you know they're above 500, so they still have a chance. And then obviously we still have the Green Bay Packers. So the, I think the only negative about the Chicago Bears is the unknown. Are they really as good mm-hmm. as we think they are? Well, it's, not the, they play, it's not the only negative, because after yesterday's game, you have to put Urlacher's mustache in the negative column, and uh, hopefully he will live up to what he told Brian Billick and um, Tom Brenneman, who my son, by the way, when he saw his name pronounced at the start, he said, Tom? The guy's name is Tom? I added another. Uh, the H is silent. Anyhow, I, apparently he's going to shave the mustache uh, today, Big Dog, but it couldn't come too soon for me. It's, I, I didn't even notice the coach, to be honest. Really? No, I, okay, I'm well, you're, you're all the better for it, believe me. Um, That's good to know. Yeah, you know, and everybody's talking about the soft schedule, oh, the bare schedule, they haven't proven anything yet. But those same people, 79.8% of them are the same people that are talking about the parity in the NFL this year and how there's no dominant teams. Anybody can beat anybody. So, you know, you could say it's an easy, there's no easy games in the NFL. Tennessee has got some big wins this year. The Carolina Panthers proved, I think yesterday, and against the Bears, you know what? They're not a bad football team at all. And, a, and the Indianapolis Colts who we beat. So I think, I'm not saying it's not a factor. I think the schedule has been overrated so far. The Bears are very deserving of their 7-1 record. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. They they deserve to be 7-1. and one. They should be proud of it, and they should go play the Texans and say, hey, here's another 7-1 and one team. We have. Uh, they should be favored in that game. The Bears should be a three-point favorite at home against the Texans. Hmm, that'll be interesting. At, it's at Soldier Field. It's at Soldier Field. It's a Sunday, Sunday night, night game. game. Yeah, I think that's, uh, yeah, based on the victory over Tennessee. Home field's worth three points. They're without Brian Cushing. They're coming off a decent. I might even go Bears four. Yeah, okay, right in there. Like right yeah. in, It'll be, uh, you know, I, I, I agree with you there. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's funny you brought up the Colts. Yeah, it was the, I was Woo! Happy the Bears got the Colts game week one. And if I remember telling you, I was like, you know, the Colts are going to, of all the teams in the NFL, the Colts will be, have one of the most dramatic improvements from week one as opposed to, you know, week 17. So I'm glad the Bears have them then. Man, am I glad the Bears have the Colts week one because the Colts team that the Bears played in week one who couldn't take advantage of how the Bears played offensively in that game. If the Bears played exactly, well, obviously week one, you play worse than you do later in the year. But 
the point is the Colts are a totally different team than the Bears beat in week one. They're a good football team, Coach. Wow. Five and three. They're, they're five and two since the Bears beat them. Yeah, well, they got a rookie quarterback, Andrew Luck, who's helping out. Yeah, Dave. I just looked up the early lines on next weekend's games, and the Bears are a point-and-a-half favorite. Point-and-a-half. Right? Point-and-a-half. Yes. And that's the, that's the opening line, so we'll okay. see how it moves during the so week. Still still not that much respect for the beloved Big Dub. Yeah, so the experts are saying that on a neutral field, the Texans are a little better than the Bears. Mm-hmm. Is what they're saying. Yeah. Which people just don't think that you can get an interception return for a touchdown every game, which you normally can't. But sometimes when you just start believing and believing and believing in other teams all week for six days, they hear, don't turn the ball over against the Bears. Don't turn the ball over against the Bears. All of a sudden, in the middle of the second quarter, when you already have a turnover, you start thinking, we can't turn the ball over, and what happens, Coach? Haven't seen a lot of Houston Texan football, but apparently a J.J. Watt, who I loved in college football, having a, you know, maybe he's the MVP of the AFC right now, while, while, um, Charles Tillman might be the defensive MVP of the NFC, but I was reading in Sports Illustrated, Big Dog, where they have J.J. on the front cover. Mm-hmm. You know, another story. Another one of a kid coming out of high school, got injured his senior year when he went to those summer camps, you know, where the players all get rated and evaluated. He couldn't compete in those, so he was off the radar, had to fight for a scholarship at Central Michigan. The coach at the time, Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly leaves Central Michigan, goes to Cincinnati. J.J. Watt leaves Central Michigan. He goes to Minnesota as a walk-on. Glenn Mason leaves. Glenn Mason gets fired from Minnesota. J.J. Watt drops out. He never even enters Minnesota. Goes back to Central Michigan. Doesn't like it there. He tells his parents, I'm going to try walking on at Wisconsin. And he said, hey, if, if I don't get a scholarship there, I'll pay. I'll pay for the final two years there. He goes as a walk-on and becomes like a freshman walk-on sensation, you know, the scout team player of the week. Bottom line is he starts as a sophomore, big dog, starts as a junior, and he went to the NFL draft. So two years after becoming a walk-on, he goes to the NFL draft, and uh, two years later he's a potential defensive player of the year. Pretty cool story. 2010 against Ohio State when he was at Wisconsin, like that was like his breakout game. And he was playing against Mike Adams, and he he won the game for Wisconsin. Like forced fumbles, recovered them. Uh, you know, Wisconsin is uh, that is a great story. The JJ Watt story is just phenomenal, coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't even know that he considered going to Minnesota. When you threw that part in there, I was like, what? Because I, I, I haven't read the, the Sports Illustrated thing out of my. Were you aware he was a walk on at Wisconsin? Not even recruited. Oh, absolutely, yeah, I absolutely knew that. Amazing. He was delivering pizzas and yep. decided to go and try out. Uh, then he goes to Central Michigan, and then he's like, you know what? I really mm-hmm. want to up my competition level. I don't know if I'd want JJ Watt delivering. My pizzas, not for fear of answering the door. I just looking at him. I'm not sure how much of the pizza I'd actually get once it's delivered. Man, looks like he's got a large appetite. At any rate, next week's uh, game, uh, David. Thank you for pulling out the line. Point and a half, big dog. My guess is, and you're more aware of why they set the lines and how they do it. But that that's going to shade towards the Bears at least a half, maybe a full point and a half by uh, game ten. So you think people are going to start betting on the Bears yes. this week? I do. We'll see. Normally, there's movement. There's usually, and in the pros, not more than a point. You, if there's more than a point movement in a pro game, people start getting suspicious of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I would see that it would go towards the Bears. And if you get a local bookie, I guarantee you get the Bears uh, minus three and a half. Mm-hmm. 
All right, let's do a quick NFL roundup, wrap them up. Quite frankly, it was not the best, most exciting weekend of NFL football. So let's get through that, and then we'll talk some college football because there were some quality games. And I know you want to wax poetic on uh, collegiate football, Big Dog, even though you're playing with an injured calf muscle. You're doing a heck of a job playing hurt, by the way. Well, I've been walking around trying to stretch this thing out as we do the show. So, All right. Multitasking. Thank you very much. All right, NFL roundup up and wrap them up. Regular segment here on the Two Guys in a Mike Show, Big Dog and the Coach. Let's start off with uh, Denver, Peyton Manning and company knocking off Cincinnati. 31-23 statement game of sorts for Denver. And Peyton Manning was good all game, Big Dog, but if you saw that 80-yard drive, what was it, five, six minutes left? They had a one- or two-point lead, but 80 yards down the field in five plays. It was vintage, precision. Peyton Manning, he has made a difference in Denver. Yeah, yes, uh, he absolutely has made a difference. That guy has, uh, they have Super Bowl aspirations in Denver, and it's just not like a pipe dream. Hey, you know, it's, it's anything could happen. No, with, with Peyton Manning, truly anything can happen. He threw interceptions on consecutive passes early in the game, Coach. Only the second time it's ever happened. And yet he didn't mess around, stay true. And it's like having a coach on the sidelines. They, they, Watching that game yesterday on NFL Red Zone, they would cut to that, and he would be talking to his uh, to his linemen and his receivers, and they just sit there, they shut up, and they absorb everything, Coach. Best player in the NFL right now. No question about it. Let's go to Pittsburgh and the Giants. little old-school game, original six, if you will. Pittsburgh knocks off the Giants 24-20. A good day for Peyton Manning, big dog, but for his brother Eli. One of his worst days uh, since early in his career. I think he will want like 10 for 24, maybe 120 yards passing the Pittsburgh defense all over. And a young man named Isaac Redman had a big running game for the Steelers. Big win for Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's Isaac Redman, a third-string running back. Uh, Mendenhall's too banged up. John, uh, Johnny Dwyer doesn't know where he's at with concussions, so they give <laughs> the ball to Isaac Redman. And, you know, they just kept giving it to him and giving it to him. By the end of the game, you know, those three-yard runs in the first quarter turned into eight-yard runs in the in the fourth quarter, and that, that was a difference. The Steelers just kept pounding that with them. Where did Isaac Redmond come from? Uh, I'm pretty sure he's from Louisville, Coach. He's that guy. Louisville. Remember, they had a uh-huh. quarterback named Chris Redmond. Yes, that was way back in the day. Eventually not played not related, that. though. No relation, sir. <laughs> All right, in the battle of a surprise teams, Indianapolis and Miami, they lived up to expectations. Quality ball game here, the Indianapolis Colts. As you already talked about, Big Dog pulled out a big victory, 23-20. to Career game for the rookie Andrew Luck as he passes for 433 yards. He was brilliant and uh, has been pretty much his entire rookie season. What's amazing is he broke Cam Newton's record last year that was 432 yards. And a couple of weeks ago, Ryan Tannehill threw for 431 yards, Coach. That's, that's, that's amazing. And Cam Newton had another 400-yard game, though. So, like, all these rookie passing records have all happened in the last two seasons. So you've, you've got quarterbacks in college, guys like RG3 and Andrew Luck and Tannehill last year, that are really, and you couldn't have said this 10 years ago, but they're really NFL-ready. They're so seasoned, so well-schooled now. The training is so much better, but you got juniors and seniors in college, big dog, that are pretty much NFL quarterbacks playing college football. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with, with that assessment. And uh, yeah, I don't know much. I, I'm going to go into that in a little bit. Talk mm-hmm. about uh, college quarterbacks. So. Okay. 
All right. Uh, Tampa Bay, got to talk about the Buccaneers real quick. They knock off Oakland. Big win there. And Doug Martin, he had 214 yards, not Thursday, but the Thursday before, at a Thursday night game, and woke up people's eye. He's the young man out of Boise State. He passes up that mark, goes for 251 in four touchdowns. Fantasy folks who picked Doug Martin in the third round are celebrating, but uh, Tampa Bay, another surprise team in the NFL. Uh, that game was unreal, Coach. He had 30 yards maybe in the first half. He ran for 220 in the second half. I was watching that game. I could not, first I couldn't believe how many bad throws Carson Palmer made. That was another thing I couldn't believe. And I know this Martin kid is really, really good. I saw him at Boise State. I just did not expect this. He made this, the Raiders look sick. I mean, they would miss a tackle in the backfield. And then he would just outrun everybody to the end zone. It was, is he a, uh, a rookie or second-year guy? He's a second-year guy. Coach. Okay. No, 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 he's a rookie. He's a rookie. This is a, he's a rookie. This wow. Year. Yes. Rookie. All right. So Robert, I got my years confused. Robert Griffin III has competition for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Yeah, his name is Andrew Luck. Yeah. Good point. So, yeah, Andrew Luck is the Rookie of the Year. Everybody can get on the whole RG3 thing. Yes. RG, if the RG3 starts winning some football games, then uh, they help pass Andrew Luck. If Doug Martin continues to have more 200-yard games, he could be exactly in the Buccaneers for making the playoffs. Then you're right. Then all of a sudden Martin can be – you can talk about him, but I can't see mm-hmm. anybody but Luck right now. All Halfway right. through, eight games through, it's Andrew Luck. Now, Ronnie Rivera can finally smile. Carolina gets a win. Carolina's actually been playing some good football. Bear fans saw it last week. This time they get over the top. They don't choke in the stretch. Cam Newton has a pretty good game, but uh, a big win. Much needed for Rivera and Carolina, 21-13 to in the battle of young superstar quarterbacks. Yeah, Carolina got back to running the ball, giving it to D'Angelo Williams and uh, Jonathan Stewart, and it was able to uh, open things up a little bit for Cam Newton. And uh, those two guys, what, what I, I kind of ripped uh, Robert Griffin III just a tiny bit of a second ago because I, I just I think people have just anointed him because they, they're surprised at how incredible he is. Those two guys, though, Coach, watching that game, it's the, the quarterback – position in the NFL is going to be in good hands for years to come because Newton and Griffin are are incredible. And certainly Cam Newton learns that it's a team thing and not a Cam thing. Mm-hmm. Like RG3 seems to have already learned already. Uh, they're going to be all right. He's going to be good. All right. Seattle knocked off Minnesota. Pretty good game here. We expected it to be. Minnesota made some runs, but Seattle uh, held serve, if you will, 30-20. to 20. The final score, Adrian Peterson in defeat. Was brilliant, big dog, but they, they did not give the ball. For some reason, they were passing in the second half, and Christian Ponder passing not as effective as Adrian Peterson running. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, the, the more you run Adrian Peterson, the times that Christian Ponder does pass makes him so much more effective. And, and let's not forget there was another running back on the field, and he was going off in beast mode. Marshawn Lynch was yeah. really good again yesterday, coach, and, and he's a, He's a he's a winning type of running back. The guy always gets positive yardage. He doesn't fumble, and it just like when you know he's going to get it, and it's third and two, and the Seahawks have the lead. You can hand it to him, and he gets three yards every single time. That guy is a, he's a championship caliber running back. Started off with Buffalo, and he's out of Oregon. Do I got that right? Uh, Marshawn Lynch is from Cal. Berkeley. Cal. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Outstanding. Pac-12 yeah. player. 888-463-6748. The phone number here, a little NFL round them up, wrap them up with the dog and the coach. Feel free to call up, talk about uh, any of the NFL games from yesterday. We're getting to college in just a second. Final NFL game, big dog, and again, not the usual amount of dramatic finishes. I don't even know if there was an overtime game. It was not the best Sunday of NFL football, but uh, the Green Bay Packers do not fall asleep on the pack. They're starting to come back. Brian Bulaga gets injured. Clay Matthews Jr. injured. Jordy Nelson, their top receiver, has to go out of the game, and the Packers still beat Arizona 31-13. to We could talk about all the young quarterbacks that we've been talking about this morning, Big Dog. And the best one's Aaron Rodgers. Thank you. Uh, I don't know. Right now at this moment, I don't know if I'd rather have Peyton Manning or Aaron Rodgers. Oof, you know, a, or you'd be, in, you'd be in really, really good hands. Be a nice, I'd take either of those two over Brady right now. I would. I, I would, too. Andrew yep. Brees and all those other uh, yep. all those other guys I was saying. Coach, you can't forget the, the one great game of the day. And I, I thought it was the biggest and smartest choice of the day. And obviously it looks real smart afterwards. But, you know, sometimes, like, there's – calls for going out and fourth down that don't succeed where I, I agreed with the coach even though he failed. Uh, one of them is yesterday, fourth and one on the two-yard line. You're down 20-17 to 17 with four oh, and a half minutes to go in the, the game. Fake, the fake. Um, yeah, that's... Uh, I mean, I, I understood going for it. But the fake, Really? You do the fake and like downfield a little more when there's more room to spread out and you to do the fake. It's fourth and one. You if you only have a yard to go, don't overthink it, people. Like if you got 25 yards to go, the fake is understandable. With one yard to go, the simplest play is this: you go find uh, half a ton of ass, you put them right by your quarterback, you <laughs> snap it to your six foot five, 270 pound quarterback and just have them fall forward for three feet, okay? That's all you need to do, people. But so I understand going for it. I don't understand the call, Coach. But that's – and then the Steelers. But the Steelers stop them. They get the ball back. They go right down the field and they score. That was one heck of a football game. Mm-hmm. Well, we do, we brought up that game, but you're right. We didn't bring up the uh, the fake field goal call. Oh, we did? We talked about that one already? Yeah, Pittsburgh over the Giants. Recall. Yeah, no problem. All right, let's talk some college football. Dog and a coach at your service uh, right up until 11 o'clock. We do it five days a week, one hour a day, five in total. Collegiate football over the weekend, Big Dog. Uh, some really, really good games. One that I was not planning on watching and just kind of, you know, I watched a lot of Notre Dame football this year. I figured Notre Dame Pitt, eh, I think I can skip this one. There's so many selections out there. I started watching in the second half when I saw Pitt in the lead. I don't know if you saw it or not, but it turned out to be a classic. Second half and overtime. I, uh, I I picked Pittsburgh plus the seventeen. Okay, coach. And I get I, I get in front of the television. I see the score is twenty to sixteen, and Notre Dame throwing the ball up in the air to Eichert, who doesn't catch it. And I'm like, oh, I was like, you know, don't don't score here. I, I want to cover the spread. And then I looked at it and I realized that it wasn't Notre Dame winning twenty to sixteen. It was mm-hmm. Pitt winning twenty to six. And then after that, my <laughs> my interest level peaked a little bit. Was the best way I could tell you, Coach. Yeah, it was a heck- uh, well, the, the last the last quarter and a half of that football game was scintillating, and obviously the three overtimes were pretty mm-hmm. good too. Yep, yep, yep. Notre Dame having one of those kind of seasons where the breaks 
are going their way. I thought Mike Mayotte, the color announcer, who both you and me enjoy, some don't, but the two of us like it. I thought he summed it up beautifully. Fourth Start of the fourth quarter, he says, hey, this is what it's all about. In front of a huge crowd, you got an underdog team ready to upset you. They're leading you 20 to 6. You think you're a BCS team capable of playing a national championship? He goes, hey, you're down two scores. Let's see what you got. Let's see what you got. I thought that was perfectly put. And we found out what Notre Dame's got, big dog. And uh, as much as I was rooting against them, those were a couple of pretty clutch touchdown drives and a Pittsburgh offense, by the way. I don't know what they did in the first half because I wasn't watching. That was an abysmal display. But uh, Notre Dame? They showed what they got. They came back with two big scores, one in overtime. Yeah, you know what? There's a. I know Notre Dame's got a, a real good defense, and and you got a lead, and you want to bleed the clock out. Yeah. You know, there's, there's there's one thing to, to bleed it out by hanging it up by its ankles and slicing its throat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> I mean, you got to make some plays. You know what I mean? That's the, if you want to have the winning mentality to run it down and like and yep. bleed the clock. You have to get a couple first downs. Three and outs with the clock running for three plays does not help very much. They couldn't even get the bit. center quarterback exchange. I mean, they messed that oh. up three, four times. Oh, my God. You know what? When you decide to put your head between your your legs and, and kiss your butt goodbye, that's what happened. They <laughs> played too conservative, and they lost the game. That's a yep. loss because they, they, they went yep. into the shelf. That and the fact they missed a 33-yard field goal in overtime, too. But uh, Notre Dame lives for another day, but they drop in the rankings. Big Dog Oregon, deservedly so, with a huge win over USC, 62-51, a game that all math teachers would have loved. And uh, we got a new Heisman candidate, don't we, from Oregon. Well, you know what? Finally, people have noticed him, and, and you know what it is? It's finally uh, Oregon wasn't beating somebody by 40 points at halftime, so he got to play in the second half. Kenyon Barner, coach. Wow. And his runs were just so electrifying, so beautiful. You know, that, that Denario Thomas, whatever the heck his name is, is backing him up. Their backup tailback is better than 115, 118 starters in college football. The, the backup tailback was a Heisman candidate uh, for the start of the year. Yes, and he's backing <laughs> this kid up. Farner is so good. The way he can run and stop and start, coach, is just like, whoa, whoa. I mean, that's like... What, what year is he? Uh, he is a sophomore coach. Wow. Wow, that's and, unbelievable. And the, the, the guy looks totally tiny. He wears way too many pads. I don't know how somebody wearing that many pads can stop and start so freaking quick. I don't know, but who's ever, who's ever teaching the running backs at Oregon or the running game coordinator, uh, send that man to the head of the class because they're doing something right, not just one or two years. This has been going on for, what, really since Mike Kelly's been there, five to the last five to seven years? Coach, they are so well coached. I'm glad you just brought that up because I just remember a play where Oregon's rolling, they just keep going, and they, you know, and this is this is what I was what I was talking about earlier. The reason why these NFL coaches are so or NFL rookies can play is because when they're in college, yes, maybe it's not a pro system, but these coaches instill in these guys so much information, and they have so much on their plate that when they play college football games, they have to call the plays at the line. Okay, they have to go up and they make a look, and Robert Griffin the third would have to go up and check with me and call the plays at the line. Then when you get to the NFL, all of a sudden when you get a billion-page playbook dropped on your lap and say, oh, and by the way, it's going to change every single week because every team is different. Well, it's not that intimidating to these kids anymore. 
well, this guy, the Oregon is so well coached. Ends up, what ends up happening is it's, it's like, uh, third and like eight coach. So this team doesn't realize that there's going to be a short yardage play soon. Well, immediately there's a, an eight yard gain and it's fourth and like a foot. And I am not kidding, coach. Immediately, I mean, immediately after the kid was tackled, they were in formation and, uh, Mariota got him in a formation. And then instead of running the ball to the middle, they ran a quick screen to the, to the wide receiver. And I swear to you, they went like this. Uh, Brett Musselwood, do you think, or the Fox guys, Gus Johnson, do you think they're gonna, they're going for it? It was that quick. <laughs> yeah. And what they did was they ran a quick screen. They had two receivers out to the right, and the guy that was all the way out chops the corner, and then the guy catches it and runs for a first down. I mean, to be, that is so, that's such precision, that's so well coached. It isn't like, hey, stay out there and go for it. It was like, the guy was a half a yard short, and everybody, all 11 guys, sprinted to the line, and they snapped the ball. They did not know it was going to be fourth and a foot. So, you know what I'm saying? Because they had no idea before on the third and eighth play that that was going to happen. Yet, like, they yelled out a word, mm-hmm. and all 11 players knew that, oh, we're going to run the, 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 our fourth and short play. Yep. Crisp, sharp, well coached. It's almost to the point now where defenses, you know, it's almost a win. If, like, Oregon takes five minutes to score or four minutes. You know, hey, we gave up the six points, but we held them, guys. They didn't score in the first two minutes. I don't know if it's that bad, Coach. <laughs> I, I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, they do score. They do score awfully fast. And it's and it's by running the ball. And then right when they throw the ball, as soon as the ball goes in the air and you're playing Oregon, you're just, please don't be a touchdown. Because yep. they, they throw it for touchdowns. That's, yep. what, that's the reason why they throw the ball. I don't, that Mariano kid's probably averaging uh, over 10 yards in attempt on this season because when it goes in the air, mm-hmm. if it's not a screen pass, if it goes down the field, most likely some kid's running under it and they're going to score a touchdown. Out of the play. Big Dog, you said you, uh, as we're running out of time here, I want to make sure you get time. You had a comment on the quarterbacks, I believe, in collegiate football. Yeah, that's what I, I just said it. It was the fact that these guys in college football, like, okay. When RG3 and Andrew Luck was, were in college, and you watch all week, watch these college football games, they go no huddle. And these, they don't go no huddle with the, the, the coach calling out the play on the sidelines. Obviously, they can't do that. It's the quarterback who has to remember a game plan, remember situations, remember that, oh, when this particular unit, my three receivers, one tight end, one running back are out there in our no huddle, and the defense shows this particular look, I call this play. And then the, you know, it's just amazing. It's not like a little bit of that, like in the 1980s and 90s when I was playing, you know, football. Mm-hmm. It's the whole game plan. We're talking hundreds and hundreds of plays that these guys have, and in different ways that the defense will look at. It. And these kids, these quarterbacks, are learning this stuff in high school. They know it. You know, all of a sudden they do it in college, and all of a sudden, even if it's different, the the pressure that these quarterbacks are put under in college makes. The transition to NFL so easy now. Not easy. Not easy. We, uh, but that's why it's happening is, is what I should say. Just got an email in from Football Frank. Football Frank says uh, Brett Bassinet did the same thing in Northwestern. Why was he not NFL ready? You know what? I, I'm not saying he isn't. <laughs> but right now with Bassinet, he was on the Eagles. Would Bassinet have played any worse than Michael I think, Vick has? This I season? think Football Frank I mean, had his seriously. tongue firmly implanted in cheek. Well, uh, the Frank Brad Bassinet. Okay, if he was playing for the Eagles, he would not have as many turnovers as Michael Vick does this season. Mm-hmm. He was playing for the Eagles, wasn't he? Yeah, that's my point. He okay. should still be playing for the Eagles. I got you. I got you. 
All right, dog and a coach. Couple of more minutes here up until uh, 11 o'clock. Little college football talk. Big dog Alabama at LSU. Did not get to see much of this game. The Louisiana State fans, uh, you know, a Saturday night game in Baton Rouge. You don't get better atmosphere in college football in Alabama. What was it? The final drive, right? They marched down the field. Yes, and uh, AJ McCarron. Who you scoffed at me when I mentioned him as a Heisman Trophy He's candidate? Top five right now. Yeah, he uh, has not made a mistake this season, and you know it's, it's funny. I said he has not made a mistake this season. You know he messed up by handoff in the LSU game. The only mistake, but the mistake that you'd never see anybody have. A guy that doesn't have any interceptions or fumbles this year. He was the reason why somebody fumbled on, and that was a huge play in that game. You know, Coach, I actually have don't call my friends all that much anymore. I'm trying to save money. All of a sudden, I got a I got a call. Hey, come out to this, and I thought about you know it's going to take me like an hour and a half to get there. I am not missing any of this football game. I just stayed home and watched that LSU Alabama game, and uh, it basically went exactly the way I thought it was going to go. I'm not kidding you. That's like that Alabama was going to have to prove at least one time during the season that they actually could win a close game. Mm-hmm. And if there was going to be any game, I think all of us would agree, at Tiger Stadium was probably the one. And yep. Wow, I mean, what a... A.J. McCarron got emotionally choked up after after they he drove them down five plays, 74 yards to take the lead against LSU, and they needed a touchdown, not the field goal. He was literally, like, gasping for air and choked up on the sidelines, and when they finally clinched, he, like, broke down. This is the guy that's already won the national championship, and he's in tears on the sideline winning a regular season game. He has entered my new, it's a brand new, it's like, uh, you know, spin the roulette wheel here. We got new, completely new names on the board, but my new top five Heisman candidates. Real quick, dog, because we got to sign off in about a minute here, but I've got A.J. McCarron suddenly in the picture. Monte Teo. Colin Klein, he's injured, had a concussion. We'll see if he can still play. He's a leading candidate. Ken John Barker. Has now entered the picture. My number five guy, I'm sticking with Jordan Lynch, Northern Illinois. Your thought? Uh, Coach, I I will take that. We always disagree. I will take uh, just Kenyon Barner is his name. I will take that top five right now. And, yes, that's what what it is. And if anybody doesn't know who Jordan Lynch is, you might want to get your eyes on that kid. Yep. Yep. Beautiful. All right. And uh, top five radio producers uh, in the Chicago area. Big Dog has David Olson and or Randy Myers made your top five. The internet radio is definitely. I think I don't even know if I know five producers, so I'm going to have to say yes. The old backhanded compliment. All right, dog, be safe out there, and we will talk to you, God willing, tomorrow at 10 o'clock. So beat the small results? Oh, yeah. You went two and one on beat the smells. Yeah, I know. I went one and two. Guess what David Olson went? Three and oh. Perfect. Perfecto. It's unbelievable. Might have been our final beat the schmoes, but the guy did a hell of a job. All right, dog. Peace out, everyone. Peace out, my friend. 888-463-6748. Keep that number handy.